Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have officially hit the midway point of the 2023-24 season. We're going to give you our biggest surprises of the first half, our biggest disappointments of the first half here later in today's episode. We're also going to talk about a veteran free agent that has all of a sudden hit the open market after some questionable behavior earlier in the season with the Chicago Blackhawks. Should the Pittsburgh Penguins kick the tires on Corey Perry? Something that we will discuss here in a few minutes. But let's start off with this because this is the biggest story surrounding the Pittsburgh Penguins. As first and foremost, let's peel back the curtain here. We're recording this on Monday because the Pittsburgh Steelers screwed everybody's schedule up. Uh, so we're recording this on Monday for Tuesday release. Um, so we have not seen the results of the Penguins versus the Seattle Kraken yesterday. It was a matinee matchup. The Penguins went into it after a couple of uh, almost victories from come from behind and the Kraken went into it. Winners of nine straight. So, uh, you know what I think is going to happen in that matchup, but uh, we'll just wait and see. And everybody who's listening to this already knows. But let's start talking about those near comebacks, the slow starts for the Pittsburgh Penguins, because it's really starting to build for the Penguins and starting to cost them in valuable standings points. The first period hasn't been kind to them this entire month. Outscored 13-8 to in the first period, which looks okay, looks like looks fine, but when you take away the four to two first period against the Boston Bruins, it turns into an eleven to four first period deficit. And while yes, they've largely outperformed people in the second and third periods of these games, they've still lost a lot of these games that they've fallen behind on. I mean, four to one to Washington, three to one to Vancouver, two to nothing to the Carolina Hurricanes. These are leads that you can't be giving up this frequently because despite their ability to come back in some of these games, it's just it's not a healthy way to try to make the playoffs, that's for certain. No, because at some point teams will catch up to exactly what exactly you're playing, what your game plan is, and once that once that team is ahead, they're game planning for what your attack will be and they're just shutting you down, shutting you down, shutting you down. Uh, for the most part you kind of saw it against the Washington Capitals where you know we spotted the we spotted them four. Uh, and then not that the Capitals really shut it down. I mean, they were leaky as hell the entire time, but um, their lead was enough that they didn't. The dam didn't burst. They were mm-hmm. able to still shut it down enough. 
Um, and these slow starts are tough. It, it, it's a it, you mentioned the thirteen to eight and how it doesn't sound horrible. It kind of does, considering it's a span of multiple games. It's not yeah. just hey, you're. It's a big game where. Uh, where it that's one game of, a, of an example of a 13 to 8 first period no it's multiple games where like you mentioned there's four goals coming from a single game but then it sounds then then the difference sounds a little worse so in any sort of situations like that you want to be net positive i mean just look at the total goal differential in the standings the penguins are plus 20s no they're plus 12 i think um, multiple points out of a playoff spot. Meanwhile, the Capitals are a minus 24 and multiple points ahead of them. So, it, it, I mean, the plus minus doesn't mean too much, but clearly there's a big difference between getting the right goals at the right time, i.e. the Capitals winning by one and then losing by a bunch every other time. Yeah. Whereas the Penguins are you know, winning by a bunch, but then losing by one. Yeah. And then what are those losing by ones? These late starts not scoring on the power play, overtimes, all of that nonsense. Yeah, as we stand here today entering action on Monday, January 15th, Penguins and the Capitals each have 46 points. The Capitals are a minus 26 Nuts. in goal differential, and the Penguins are a plus 13. So 39 difference in goal differential, and the teams have the same amount of points. It's crazy. Um <laughs> But even so in nuts. even in a game like the Buffalo Sabres game, you only went down one to nothing. You spotted yeah. them that goal simply because you kept giving them breakaways until eventually one went in the net. You went down one to nothing, and what did Buffalo do? They they played keep away for the most part, and by the time you finally scored, and that was that five on three goal to Ricard Raquel in the third period, the Sabres were able to get one more, and that was the end of the game. It's it, and that little letting in a goal early. That's a that's something that carried over into last carried over from last season. Tristan Jari was really. It was almost impressive how often he would let in a goal <laughs> yeah. in the opening minute, opening two minutes, opening three, and somehow, some way, would shut it down for the rest of the game. He's kind of doing that again this year, but that first goal's got to stop somehow. Um, and you mentioned the Buffalo game. Yeah, two almost three minutes into the game, and Alex Tuck just, they were, the Buffalo Sabres were doing that all game. That looks like their style of play is waiting for their team to go on a line change and send a forward to the blue line because yeah. they were given that breakout pass and that attempt, they gave it all game. Uh, yeah, they love to that, stretch the ice. Yeah, and that one just so happened to leak in. So, you know, some of those slow starts goes against Jari because, again, a lot of times it is just one goal, and sometimes you just need that one save. Um, but at the same time, stepping up the defense and the skating around him, mm -hmm. maybe also answering a lot sooner than the second or third period yeah. could also help a lot. You know, answering back within a couple of minutes, having it be a 1-1 game after the first period. It's a bit of a different mindset because you brought up those scores down 13-8 to after one. Not ideal. You mentioned mindset, and I think that's a large thing, you know, a large part of this equation, too. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they have been in this kind of perpetual state of chasing for the past two seasons because they've been out of a playoff spot because they had slow starts both last season and this season. So they're chasing a playoff spot and now they're chasing in, in each of these games. So on a day-to-day -day and an overall basis, they're in the state of chasing and we talked about it before the season. You can't be that way with a team with this much, let's call it experience, most people call it age. You can't be in that position because it makes it harder on these guys. It just makes it more difficult to stay in these games because you're in that state of, all right, we got to go now. We got to go now. We got to go now. At the end of the day, there's no room to breathe. And this is a team right now that is in that perpetual state of chasing as it was last season. And it's not a good thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They need to get out in front at some point and play with leads in games and play 
with a playoff spot to lose. Uh, I mean, let, that's something that we haven't really talked about is last year they were outside of a playoff spot up until maybe, what is it, the last week of the season they held their own destiny? I don't even think they sat in a playoff spot when they held their own destiny. They were outside of one. They just had the games in hand and the proper positioning to be able to go in and win a, and make it to the playoffs with a win over the Blackhawks and a win over the Blue Jackets, but they weren't in a playoff spot at that time. So they've been in this perpetual state of chasing, and it's just exasperating the issues that are already prevalent on this roster. Yeah, it's once again, it's more of a carrier from that from that last season. They're chasing in games, and they're chasing in the standings. It's They're on the outside looking in yet again. Mm-hmm. From, where you're, from what you're saying, I remember that too. I don't think they were ever actually in a wild card spot last year. If they were, they didn't hold it for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it came down to games in hand, they couldn't win them when they needed them. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, and here they are again, multiple points out, and uh, it's going to be a tough stretch to really solidify themselves as a playoff contender let alone a cup run uh, competitor it's you got to stop the leaking quickly yeah and the last time the Pittsburgh Penguins sat in a very favorable position was before Christmas last year I think they were in second or third place in the Metropolitan Division they've dropped down and they haven't climbed back up ever since and that's even with the reset of a season coming into 2023-24 I like the way that Rob Rossi put it of the athletic he said quote the oldest team in the league lots of miles on the best players they're prepared just not good enough depth wise to stay in games until the vets find their legs he was talking about the narrative that they're not prepared for these games. The coaching doesn't have them ready for these games. He's pushing back and saying, listen, they're prepared for these games. They're veterans. They're obviously going to be prepared for this game. But it takes them a minute to get going in these games because they're older and the the depth isn't good enough. So those that right there is two of the bigger issues that we've talked about at length about this team is the depth needs to be better. And obviously age has been one of the biggest storylines surrounding this team for the past couple of seasons. Yep. When you got the oldest team in the league, that's going to be what people cling to, what people look at, because, um, you know, it, we understand that the that some of those old names are useful, they're productive, but yeah. at the same time, there's a lot of people that won't look super deep into it. They'll just see the average age of over thirty. They're the only team in the NHL with that, and then see their standings and see where they see where they look in the in the race, and that's immediately a red flag of well. You know, they're older, they're probably slower because it's a league getting younger and faster, and it looks like they just can't keep up. Um, Sure, these veterans are coming in ready, but they're taking a little bit longer to get into, and it's people see the age, and that's what they cling to. That's a big part of it. It's still something that, you know, even is in the back of my head every time I watch this team. Yeah, and to me, I think the age thing is an overrated discussion. I think it plays a part, but I think a lot of people just look at it and say, oh, look at the average age. Look at how old this person is. They shouldn't bring this person because they're that old. Let's look at performance first, and then let's look at age. And we'll do that with Corey Perry. That's obviously a big discussion about him because he's 38 years old. He's on the, the open market, and there's a lot of interest being generated for Corey Perry, the former NHL MVP. But I think what what Rossi said was very intriguing to me and it kind of sheds light on something that has confused me over the past couple of weeks is how do they just turn it on because they look like an entirely different team in the second period and the third period and it's not just hey they look like they're on even ground with these teams they're dominating these teams in the second half of games and I think Sidney Crosby you see is prime example number one that fits into both of these categories what Rossi said and what we're seeing on the ice is 
In the first period, he's okay. I mean, he's Sidney Crosby, so he's never going to look horrible. He's made some bad line changes in overtime that have cost the Pittsburgh Penguins, but he's never going to look horrible over an entire period in regulation. First period, he's been okay. Second and third period, he's looked ungodly, and that's why people are clamoring for him for a hard trophy. But this is something that, you know, when Rossi put this on X yesterday, it was something that kind of like clicked a light bulb for me. It's like, that makes so much more sense as to why this team and the Pittsburgh Penguins are dominating teams in the second and third period because they've done it through all of these games. Washington, Carolina even. The Carolina Hurricanes are a really good hockey team. The Penguins dominated them in the second half of that game. The Vancouver Canucks are a very good hockey team. The Pittsburgh Penguins dominated them in the second half. Part of this is probably the other team had a lead. They're playing with a lead, so they're, they're backing off a little bit. But at the same time, the pressure that the Penguins have been forcing in the second and third frames is commensurate. And now it, it that tweet bump from Rossi, who has many more years of experience than me, has watched plenty more hockey than me, uh, he, he puts that out and it clicks a light bulb in, in my head. And I was like, this makes so much more sense now. It does. Yeah, you're right. It's it's going to take a little bit longer to get used to, to, to dive into. And they just got to find those starts and take advantage uh, when they can. Yeah, those early deficits... You know, having them more and more often is going to be too much for this Penguins team to overcome. They've overcame it in the last two games, which is nice. It's impressive. And those two standings points, believe it or not, are extremely important when you're only two standings points as we sit here today outside of a playoff spot. But as I talked about on my my game recap on Sunday, you can't make the playoffs from here by counting by one. You got to count by two. The standings points are good. They might keep you in the race. They're not going to get you into the playoffs if you keep counting by one. And and a big part of the reason that they're only counting by one is because the opening 20 minutes have turned into a warm-up for them while the other team's going at 110%. It has. And those one points, like, they're good. And you don't want to, you know, you're, get, you're gaining, point, gaining one point against a team like Vancouver or even going to overtime against a team like Vancouver is a good start. You're getting some momentum there. You're proving that you can stick with one of the better teams in the league. Surrendering that point to teams like Carolina twice already, not helpful. Surrendering those points to teams like whenever they really get into the race, um, the Flyers, the uh, everyone else, the Devils, everyone else around them in the standings, Those you can't surrender a point there you have to take two you have to take the swings yeah and you have to get clean victories and right now the Pittsburgh Penguins they've they've got a couple of those and trust me they've shown that they can play with anybody in the National Hockey League but that's the reason they play 82 is can you do it on a consistent basis against everybody and those who can make the playoffs those who can't they go golfing early and last year the Penguins went golfing earlier this year it's trending in a wrong direction right now they're playing good hockey at points but they're not getting the results that are needed especially in games where for the majority of the time, they've outperformed their opponent. The deserve to win a meter is a great great thing to look at until your team continues to win on that marker and gets the loss in the standings because at the end of the day, only one of them matter to making the playoffs. But maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins need some help. And we talked about depth. Maybe they need a little bit of help in their depth. Is there a player on the market named Corey Perry that interests you, Horwat? We'll talk about that right after this break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. 
come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Full disclosure here, Corwan, as we get set to talk about Corey Perry. There is one listener that is in our comment section on YouTube that has been clamoring for Corey Perry basically ever since the Chicago Blackhawks decided to terminate his contract. So uh, that person, deservedly so, we're going to talk about it here. Um, But I was not willing to have this conversation until we got the news that we got last week, that he met with Commissioner Goodell and he was given the green light by the NHL's commissioner. Because for those who don't know, Corey Perry has been absent from the NHL since having his contract terminated by the Chicago Blackhawks back in November. While the exact nature of his misconduct is unknown, we do know that it was nothing criminal. It was more so that it was an off-ice incident involving Corey Perry's behavior that led him to being deemed, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but basically conduct detrimental to the organization. His contract was terminated and he was sent away from the NHL. And at this point, nobody was willing to touch him uh, whenever he was immediately released because he was eligible to come back. There was no action taken by the NHL to say, hey, this man is not allowed to return to the NHL. It's just nobody was going to touch him knowing that there was no information given, at least publicly, about what that conduct, conduct detrimental was. But now that he's been giving the green light by Gary Bettman to resume his career at the National Hockey League level, a, a step that didn't need to happen, but I think did need to happen in the public eye when it comes to the court of public opinion. So Corey Perry is now technically and officially on the free agent market, and there is a lot of interest surrounding the former NHL Hart Trophy winner. Horwat, you texted me yesterday simply, thoughts on Corey Perry? Question mark. So let me just shift that and turn it back to you. Nick Horwat, thoughts on Corey Perry for the Pittsburgh Penguins? You know, it's, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting case for Corey Perry just because of the baggage that he's, that he might bring. The PR, I don't want to say nightmare that he might bring, considering. But it's a there story. Has been, it, there's definitely a story there. There has been some time for everything to kind of cool off. Again, nothing that, we, we no one will know anything that happened. No one will. Not anytime actually, soon, no. Not anytime soon, not anytime, you know, during his playing career, bare minimum. Um, so there is the fact that there's some time separated from the whole saga to now that, you don't want to say people have forgotten about it, but people have moved on. There are other issues to focus on, especially around hockey still. So people are willing and teams are willing to allow Corey Perry back in for what it's worth. Teams have been playing Tony D'Angelo the entire time. So, (laughs) yeah, I know you're not a big fan of him. eh, His personality personality, as a hockey player, as a hockey player could be good. Corey Perry, and this is another situation like that, you look at his numbers, you look at his play, and you go, hey, you know what? That's not an awful situation. For the Penguins, he kind of fits. The age, again, is something that we'll get into in a minute, I'm sure. But 
he kind of fits exactly what the Penguins need and are looking for, especially if you consider now that the early returns on Jesse Pugliarvi may not have been great Mm. in the AHL. Riley Smith is now out long-term. We don't have official word on all the other details, probably getting him soon, Uh, but that really hasn't come down the pipe yet. Um, the the Redeem Zahornas and the Valtteri Pustinans, they don't look like NHL players anymore. Valtteri Pustinan might in a year or two again, but at this at this juncture, not so much. So roster spots are opening up on the wings. Uh, and slotting in a guy like Corey Perry who brings the grit, he brings the grime, and maybe a couple of depth scoring roles, depth scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are positives to be had with Corey Perry. My overall opinion is I could take it or leave it, I think. I think if you're going to add, there are other ways you could to the to the depth of to the depth forward position. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he's a cheap option and willing to you know join this team and obviously play in a lower role that he will, it's a it would be a good move, but also I'm not too worried about um, the age either. It's just a matter of like you said, the court of public opinion when it comes to this team and its age. Yeah, the court of public opinion on this team is it's too old and it needs to only get 22-year-olds. And I just, I don't agree with that, especially when you're looking at a year-by-year basis. Yes, when you're looking to to bring in players that have multiple years on their contract, I agree, yeah. you want to you want to, you want to tend to go younger. But at this stage of the season, you're halfway through, you have 41 games left, you're trying to just make a playoff spot by any means necessary. Corey Perry is a guy that can get you there. I mean, he had nine points in 16 games this season with the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, I get it. He's playing a first-line role. He's playing a lot of hockey. He's playing on the top power play unit. But maybe a guy like Corey Perry in the net front isn't the worst thing. I mean, he still has the hands. And let's not forget, this guy was, although in Anaheim, a lot of people forgot about it, had one of the best goal-scoring tendencies in the National Hockey League in the early 2010s. He was a guy that could put the puck in the back of the net at will, and him and Ryan Getzlaff were a dynamic duo that not a lot of people gave credit to because they played in Southern California for the Anaheim Ducks. But this is a guy that also brings that worm aspect. I mean, it's his nickname for a reason. He brings that grit. He brings that grime, as you said it. I love that word because it's kind of like greasy. He's down there, but he does the work. He does the hard work, and I think that that's something that the Penguins need. And like you mentioned, Valtteri Pustinen was very good upon his his call-up. Right now, he's fallen back a little bit, and nobody expects him to come up and, at this point, become a, a top-six forward and, you know, just go off like Jake Gensel did. Very very infrequent does that happen, particularly with a seventh-round pick. We might have wanted it to happen. I know I certainly wanted it to happen because I've been a big proponent of Valtteri Pustinen, but as you mentioned, the last couple of games, is it? it's not only that he's not scoring, it's the way that he's playing that he's starting to become invisible, His ice time is getting shredded because of it by Mike Sullivan. You bring in a guy like Corey Perry, you know what you're going to put out there on the ice every single night. You know what you're getting out of him every single night. And he's a guy that has made it in this league and has learned how to play in this league from night to night and on a nightly basis as the season prepares and goes on. Whereas Valtteri Pustin is learning a lot of these things for the first time. So if you're trying to make the playoffs, if Pustin is struggling, there's no harm in sending him back to the AHL, giving him that reset, and hopefully bringing him back up at some point this season and letting him show once again why he deserves to stay at this level. I mean, even Drew O'Connor right now, a lot of people are saying he's come out of nowhere. And large majority of it has been coming out of nowhere. But it's been building. You could see that over the past four seasons. It's been building to this point. Now, it's a higher ceiling than I could have imagined. It's a higher ceiling than I expected, but it has been building, and we have been saying, 
coming into this year, we said, what? It's a big year for Drew O'Connor. It's a year for him to establish himself as an everyday NHL player. This is the fourth season with the organization where he's played NHL games. Pustin is at the early stages of that. So when it comes to a guy like Corey Perry, yes, I'm interested in kicking the tires on a guy like Corey Perry, even if he's 38, because you're buying a 38-year-old for 41 games. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the age doesn't fit into that equation for me because it is a one-year deal. The guy has not played since November, so he has fresh legs, and he's somebody that can help the team based on his skill set and his ability right now. Do I sign him to a five-year deal? No. It's Corey Perry. He's 38 years old. I sign him to a rest-of-the-season deal and say, this person is going to help us get to the playoffs. Now, is he the guy I'd pick in the free agency? No. I've said several on several occasions I like Zach Parise more, but that's just me. But I, I would say kicking the tires on Corey Perry, 100% an option that I would be willing to approach if I was Kyle Dubas and the Penguins. Yeah, it's an option that is available and an option that is out there. Um, you're You're right. You're buying the... Uh, 38-year-old for what could be his last run, by the way. Let's just be honest with ourselves here. Much like the way we look at Jeff Carter and that the 2023-2024 season is arguably Jeff Carter and likely Corey Perry's final year in the NHL. There's no way Corey Perry wants his you know, NHL tenure, likely Hall of Fame career, to end the way it did. He's going to want to come back into the league. He's going to want to prove to everyone why he deserves that spot in the Hall of Fame and prove that he is more than what just happened in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to come in to whatever team he joins, like a house of fire. He's probably going to come in and be a really good producer. Um, and when it comes to buying the 38-year-old for 41 games, tack on some playoff games. Because not that he's a an out, has been an outstanding playoff performer in the last couple of years, but three straight trips to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, and some really good some pretty decent numbers. Again, like I said, he hasn't been the greatest playoff performer over his career. And during his prime, there's some good years in there. Obviously a Stanley Cup champion, but he was only 21. Um, and I don't remember how much of a role he played in that run. 15 points in 21 games isn't terrible. Yeah, he was a, he was one of their young guns on a, that, that, on that, a veteran that team, team, though. That team had a lot of veterans on it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but even into last year, I mean, yeah, Tampa Bay lost in the first round. He had five points in six games. You take that. That's yeah. a good start. The year before with Tampa Bay, 11 points and 23, again, a run to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. So the points are, the production in the postseason is there and it's not. Mm-hmm. But you know he's one of those guys, regardless of what the stats and the numbers say, mm-hmm. oh, he's turning it on in the playoffs. You know what's really high in the playoffs for the, for, the, for this dude? The penalty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's the worm. He's got that grit to him. Yeah, no, but like you said, I mean, it all dates back to the simple phrase, he still has the hands. And if you can yeah. have the hands and bring that dimension of, you know, he's he's grimy, he's he's good in the net front, he, he's somebody that's going to get under opposing team skin, maybe get you some power plays, which, you know, if you could capitalize on them, that'd be even better. Um, but, you know, that's something I'm sure we'll talk about in the next segment, talking about biggest surprises. But no, I mean, if he's cheap, why don't you kick the tires on him? If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you look at the wing options right now, Houston, with him struggling, on the left side with Smith out, like you mentioned, Nieto is out as well, and Jansen Harkins is not a guy that I want to lift above the fourth line. Like, he's he's turned into a half-decent fourth liner, but he's not anything more than that, even at his best. And you look at the minors, and you're looking at some of these options, and you're saying, well, I mean, maybe it would have been nice to have Rem Pitlick now, but 
oh well, like who who cares? Like he wasn't he was he was doing fine at the AHL level, but did he really fit into Mike Sullivan's style? Not much. Not he a lot of defense. He was going to cost too much. Yeah, he had over a million dollars. dollars. Yeah. But it, you look at the options. Would you rather have Perry or Vinny Henestrosa? Probably Corey Perry. I mean, I get it. Perry's a right wing. You'd have yeah. to move somebody to their off wing potentially, or just bump Valtteri Pusman down. But like, it's and probably I Corey taken, Perry. Yeah, and I haven't taken wings too much into consideration in this, considering what we saw all training camp. I've said this a thousand times already. Mike Sullivan wants his wants his wingers to be able to play both sides. Yeah, Pusman and so, can play the left. Pustin, yeah. So maybe Corey Perry can also do something like that, or even if not, whoever he wherever he slots in, someone else bumps to the other side. There are moves that can be made uh, within the wingers. So when it comes to the Penguins adding, this can go for the trade deadline, this can go for free agency signings. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the wing position. This team seems to be flexible enough to move wings to the side. There are only certain certain players that have just one position under their belt, and mm-hmm. it's not many. <laughs> Yeah, the only one that I can think of off the top of my head, at least in the upper parts of the lineup, because Jeff Carter can move to center, but even yeah. Jeff, Jace, or Jake Gensel is the only one that I don't think you'd see on the right wing, but he can also move to center if you need him to. Uh, if not you that, really need him to. Not that he's done that in the last eight years, but you could technically, he's a natural center, so you could technically move him there. So there's flexibility there, but not on the on the whole way over to the right side. But now Perry's an interesting case, and I'm sure we'll see a lot of stories circulating about Corey Perry and interest for him in the NHL. But, you know, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you got to find something. You got to get yeah. something to, to put yourself over the top. You got to find something to help stabilize your bottom six and bring consistent scoring to from the bottom six because you look right now the last couple of games Lars Eller hasn't been scoring Valtteri Pustinen hasn't been scoring I don't expect Redeem Zahorna to score um and then you look at the fourth line Achari who's banged up it seems like all the time because of the way he plays I mean the dude's a warrior but it's not conducive to staying in the lineup um and Jeff Carter while he does score in timely moments doesn't score as often he scores at the rate of a fourth liner so you need a little bit more scoring punch and I think Corey Perry brings something which I mean the underlying numbers are also pretty good for Corey Perry throughout his career so you know I I don't think that that's something that should be dismissed as an option for the Pittsburgh Penguins let's take another quick break and when we return let's finish off this episode by talking about the biggest surprises of the first half of the season it's hard to believe that 41 games are down 41 games to go or when you're listening to this 42 games are down 40 games to go but you know like we said Steelers put us all in a tizzy early this week but we'll be right back to talk about the biggest surprises When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. The Penguins officially hit the halfway point on Saturday following their overtime loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. As of this recording, they sit two points outside of a playoff spot with a 20-15-6 record. 
That is before the result of the Penguins versus Kraken game that happens on Monday afternoon. So, Horwat, let's jump into some of the biggest surprises of the first 41 games. What is your biggest surprise just in general? Just in general, I would have to say the performance of both goaltenders. Not yeah. just one, not just the other. Between both Jari and Nadelkovic, um, there was a little run there where they looked like the hottest goaltending duo in the NHL. They've also had their struggles, but at the same time, they are performing at a good enough pace that it doesn't matter who you throw in there. Um, you're going to have a pretty good chance to win. And what makes it, at least in my eyes, so surprising is that Tristan Jari, you know, the expectations were high and he's exceeding them. They are, he's looked pretty good in what was supposed to be a bounce back year, especially in the first year of a new contract. And as for Alex Ndelkovic, you don't want to call it a reclamation project. It is. But it pretty much is. Yeah. He didn't have great, uh, great seasons with Detroit and he came to Pittsburgh, you know, needing to prove himself still as an NHL starter and he has so far. So, um, the fact that both kind of came in with question marks and could have been with the biggest downfall of this season mm-hmm. uh, turned out to be one of the one of the bright bright spots. And honestly, if if the team in front of them can continue to build in the right direction and gain consistency in certain areas of the lineup and not have too much regression, uh, this is a goaltending duo that can genuinely make some noise toward the playoffs and maybe even in. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins would be nowhere near a playoff spot if it wasn't for the performances of both of these netminders. And let's throw in Magnus Helberg a little bit. He looked yeah, pretty good in his, what, game and a half that he played at the NHL level this season. But no, I mean, both of them have had their off nights. Let's not, you know, dispute that. But at the same time, those have been few and far between because both of these goaltenders overall have been stellar for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I, I 100% and wholeheartedly agree with you that the goaltending has been a huge surprise for the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. It has been massively important for them as well as they make their way through the first 41 and hopefully through the back 41 as well. My biggest surprise is Drew O'Connor. I mean, coming into the season, I talked about it earlier in the show. I was expecting him to have a good year. I was expecting him to be an everyday NHLer this year, but he surpassed that because I thought, okay, he should go up and he should earn a third line role and show that he can be a third liner in the NHL. He's showing that at his best, he's top six forward. And he can play on the left side, on the right side. His forechecking is something that is probably one of the best in this team. And his speed is something that I think I took for granted as well. He has a lot of speed and he's a lot of physicality that he brings to the game that has been helping on whichever line he's gone to. He certainly had his dips and and peaks and valleys and all of that, but he's a young player. He's going to have that, especially when he's playing in a role that he's never played in before. He's never had top six minutes in the National Hockey League. That's something you have to learn to adjust to on a nightly basis, and I think he's done a very good job of that, and I think overall, He's been one of the most pleasant surprises for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you could say, yeah, Sidney Crosby, it's surprising that he's still this good. But at the end of the day, we knew he could get to that level. We just didn't know that he could get to that level at 36 years old that consistently. And even Jake Gensel, who knew that he was going to go off and be the leader on the Pittsburgh Penguins in points and mostly doing it by assists and not by way of goals. That's something that was surprising as well. I think there's been a lot of pleasant surprises for the Penguins. But to me, the one I didn't see coming the most was probably Drew O'Connor. Yeah, I could see that. And we, whenever we were having discussions of Drew O'Connor entering this season, it was he needs to solidify himself as a regular NHL player. Mm-hmm. And I think we capped the ceiling at depth forward. Yeah. Well, here he is in the top six and maybe not producing, but being a useful piece mm-hmm. uh, to the top six. It's, yeah, he's, he's definitely exceeded those expectations as well. And 
you know, good things are happening with Drew O'Connor. Again, it still feels weird seeing it, but you know what? If he's able to perform and look good, I'll be all good. Yeah, I'm sure for opposing fan bases, he falls into the Mark Donk category, Absolutely. which of like, who is this guy and how is he playing in the top six with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny yeah. Malkin? And he is. He's doing it and he's doing it well as of right now. Let's move over to the, the other side of the coin here. Biggest disappointment of the first 41 games. Uh, are we going to match and sing the power play? I figured you'd say the power play, so I have a secondary one. Um, Love it, yeah. That's so the power equally play. as equally as obvious. But go ahead on the power play. Uh, power play, not good, not not great, <laughs> not not clicking at all. Especially considering the expectations that they were coming in with. I mean, you add Eric Carlson, maybe you keep Crystal Tang on the first unit as well. You're expecting great things. Anything but. And even you know, we had the discussion last uh, episode of how it's progressing in the right direction, how they're making strides. Listen, they may have scored in four straight, but every they scored one goal in those four game, each of those four games, uh, and every other power play opportunity that they had in those four games looked putrid. And every and all eight opportunities that they've had since then, barring whatever happens in Seattle tonight, we don't know yet or today, I guess I should say, uh, is looked awful. It's looked terrible. It's offensive almost and uh, unacceptable, inexcusable. All of the negative words. Um, and I, there is no other <laughs> way to put it. Just if it's a negative word, you can apply it to the Penguins power play. Yeah, that's a that's a fair assessment. I think it's kind of the inverse of the Pittsburgh Penguins netminders. Whereas I talked about the goaltenders and I said they've been largely very impressive, but there have been their off nights. The power play is the inverse of that, where they've been largely yeah. disappointing, but they have had their their solid performances. Sure. They have had their runs there, like you mentioned. They scored in four straight games and I think it was five of seven games which is a decent stretch even before that in that early December window there they had multiple goals in back-to-back games and then they scored I think in two more in the following week so they've had solid weeks but they just haven't done it on a large-scale basis and at the end of the day as people are saying and I'm sure the comments are going to be flooded with this it's cost them games in numerous occasions especially since the start of the new year I mean you go as as recently as the Carolina game they had so many opportunities in that second period including I believe they had a five on three at one point if I'm not mixing up games started the second period of the five on three I think it, so Maybe not exactly but I, yes. but I think at one point they had a five on three if not they had three power play opportunities in the second period I'm, I'm fairly certain of it but you don't score a goal they, they created a couple of opportunities and when I see that I'm like there's the potential shining through, but it just doesn't happen as often. And I think, to me, the most frustrating part of it, and, and there's plenty of frustrating parts of this, especially when you're looking at the talent that they have, they shouldn't be in the bottom third of the NHL, but the breakout has been an issue since Todd Reardon came back. Why have we not tried to change it at all? There's been no tinkering. There, the, the breakout is the biggest issue because you see it sometimes when they get in the zone and they get set up, for the most part, they look pretty good and they get their chances. But it's that first time that puck gets cleared 200 feet, trying to get it back into the zone and trying to set it up again. They just have so much trouble with it. And I don't understand why you continue, especially with a team with so much talent, you continue to try to line up three of your five players on the blue line and allow the other team to just line up five or four straight across the blue line. You're, you're congesting it for no reason. And then you're stopping a lot of your players' momentum when you try to dump it in. Everybody's coming from from even and not moving at all, and you try to go in and chase the puck, and it just doesn't work for the Penguins. The breakout is something that has been an issue for a long time, and that's what's getting frustrating to me is that's slowing you down and stopping you. You would probably be, if you're the Penguins, at the very least a top 15 power play simply if you fix the breakout. 
because yeah, it, the, in in the zone they look fine. Yeah, is it safe to say that the Penguins power play is the equivalent of trying to jam the square peg into the round hole? Yes. So there, there, there you go. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. That is that is exactly what it feels like when watching these guys with a man advantage. So I, I think we've we've bashed on the power play enough. It's something I'm sure we're going to continue to talk about in the back half of the season. But you know. It's been largely a disappointment this year, I think, especially considering expectations. I think we each said top 10 at Could one be, point. Yeah. That they were supposed to, I think our preseason predictions, we both said top 10. I think I said top five power play. Um, not that, bottom five, bottom 10. That's that's where they're, they're, they're swallowing around here at the 41st game of the season. My biggest disappointment outside of the power play has been Ryan Graves. Um, I had high expectations for Ryan Graves. I was pounding the table. I wasn't smacking the table. I wasn't knocking on the table. I was pounding the table for the Penguins to go out and get Ryan Graves. They did. I was ecstatic. I was excited. And he is turned into probably one of the worst defensemen that I have watched play on this team in a very, very long time. And let's not forget this team employed the likes of Eric Goodbranson and Jack Johnson for a time. He has struggled mightily. Now, he has looked better since being demoted to the third pairing with Chad Ruweedle. He's kind of gotten his game back a little bit. Now he's all of a sudden back on the second pairing with Eric Carlson, at least as of practice on Sunday. So let's see if he can start to build back and maybe have a good second half. But the Penguins need him to because they can't afford to have a guy that still has five years left on his contract that are untouched as of right now at $4.5 million and a modified no-trade clause when nobody's going to want to take that following the season that he's had this year. Everyone keeps saying they're hoping for the Paul Martin or Sergey Gonchar effect. Yeah, I've, I've never heard Paul Martin's name invoked more than I have this season. Yeah. Since he left. <laughs> Except for when maybe he was on this team. Yeah, even when he was on this team. I don't think anybody talked about Paul Martin this much. Not until he was a first-line defenseman. But, uh, it's yeah, the hope is that maybe it's just an off year. Maybe he finds certain aspects of his game that can be um, definitely promoted through uh, the course of the season he's already looked a little bit better on the third pairing again low bar to, low bar to climb but he's done it mm-hmm. um and there's it's genuinely probably just coming down to hope that it can rebuild next year and that's a sad sad statement considering the expectations that he brought in but if it is worth anything you shelter his role for a year and maybe you're getting great success out of marcus Patterson. there's no doubt about that he might earn a new contract come july 1st by the way <clears throat> Or be traded. Let's not forget that. Um, and then, you know, you got issues with P.O. Joseph. So, yeah, you got to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, but, and apparently the Penguins are looking for defensive help anyway. So, we'll see where all of it shuffles out to. Um, but it seems just at the moment that you're not punting Ryan Graves into next year yet, but... Boy, it's getting close. Yeah, it's getting to the point where you're saying, well, we'll reevaluate this next season and see how your your year one to year two jump is. Because he's done it in every yeah. place that he's been, too. That's the thing. It's not just, hey, the Paul Martin effect, the Sergey Gonchar effect. It's Ryan Graves did this in Colorado. First year, he struggled. Second year, I think he led the league in plus minus, which is an imperfect stack. But still, you lead the league That's in something. plus minus, you're doing something right. Did it in New Jersey as well. First year wasn't great. Second year was much better. Maybe he does it in Pittsburgh. And listen, why is plus minus an imperfect stack? Look at Ryan Graves' plus minus right now. It would tell you that he's a good it's defenseman, <laughs> but he's not a good defenseman. He's 100% not a good defenseman in the first 41 games of the season, yet his plus minus is ridiculous. So 
Brian Graves in the power play, biggest disappointments for us here. And for all of these, let us know in the comments, what is your biggest surprise of the first 41? What is your biggest disappointment in the first 41? And also give us the answer to this question in your eyes. One player you're most looking forward to watching in the back half. We're going to give ours now. You give yours in the comments and maybe we'll address it a little bit later this week. Horwat, who's that one player for you? So mine's a bit off the beaten path. It's a little more fun. Uh, and you mentioned plus minus being an imperfect stat. My player currently is, has the worst plus minus on the team and John Ludwig. Hmm. Now, I bring this name up because let's say the Penguin, like the Penguins are trying to acquire defense <clears throat> by the deadline. They're trying to bring in a name. Let's say nothing happens and they just can't for whatever reason. Here's your third pairing guy. As long as Ryan Graves can exceed expectations that have already been set upon him that have been lowered now yes that as long as he can exceed those lowered expectations and you know maybe be a second line role guy for the year john ludwig is easily sliding into this third pairing on the left side and being the i don't want to say monster but being the pest the instigator being the um you know role tough tougher defenseman that he is Mm -hmm. uh yeah, he doesn't bring a ton of the, to the table other than some pretty decent defense and some uh, grit, both of which the Penguins have needed. So yeah, I think I'm just intrigued to really see what the he's also the youngest player on the roster. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just really intrigued to see where he can go, what his ceiling could be, um, especially considering he came to this team with zero, almost zero expectations, no preseason, no training camp under his belt, a waiver claim. What like the day before puck drop? Yeah. Didn't, the season didn't play a singular preseason game with the penguins and yeah just came in was to healthy scratch to start the year totally fine makes sense and then was slotted in and tried to immediately make a bang with a huge hit in his first game knocked himself out mm-hmm. but um came back and then immediately made, made some uh made some big moments for himself he's setting himself apart as arguably the penguins i don't want to say best rookie but the options are slim so best rookie this year yeah, he's the only rookie that I would think has has staying power on the Penguins roster right now. Valtteri Pustin has been impressive, but we already had a discussion about Valtteri Pustin, and I think John Ludwig is somebody that, if healthy, he wouldn't come out of this lineup. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, especially considering how poor P.O. Joseph has looked. Yeah, so I- I'm excited to watch John Ludwig the remainder of the season. I mean, he's technically the Pittsburgh Penguins version of a sheriff. Anytime something happens on the ice, he's the one that people have to answer to, and He's a rookie. He's what twenty two years old. So twenty three. Twenty three years old. So not a lot of people are looking at him and saying, "Oh man, John Ludwig." But he's making some people answer for their actions, which is not something the Pittsburgh Penguins have had. And he's also providing some pretty good defense too. So you know, maybe not at a level that is what you want, but at the same time, he's been decent, and that's more than you could say for a lot of these <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins defensemen. Um, yeah. My player that I'm most excited to look and watch over the next forty one games is one that I was very excited to watch coming into the season. And I, he's had, a some people would say, disappointing opening half to his Penguins tenure, but I'm excited to watch Eric Carlson. I mean, he's settling in. A lot of what everybody said around about this team was, man, there's a lot of new faces. It's going to take them some time to get used to each other, to build that chemistry, to get used to playing for Mike Sullivan, playing in the system that Mike Sullivan wants to deploy. And that too goes for Eric Carlson. Even though he's all world, there's an adjustment there. He's adjusted now. So the next 41 games is him fully adjusted. How does he perform? Does he get the power play going? Even if he doesn't, does he continue to put up points at five on five? Because you look at what he's started to do recently, seven points in the last six games, points in every single one of them, six game point streak right now. He has one goal, six assists in that time. 
How does he evolve to continue putting up points, to continue trying to put the Pittsburgh Penguins over the top? He had a really rough game in Carolina, and then he got the assist to tie the game up late in the game. He put the puck on the net, low shot, Ronta kicked it out, Brian Russ put it in the back of the net. That's what you need to do at that stage of the game. I think we all know how talented Eric Carlson is. I think there's reasons that people have been disappointed with him. I, I think the defense on Eric Carlson's part has been better than expected, but still worse than you would hope from somebody that's in the top four. So he's been all right, but I think in the back half, I'm excited to see where he goes from here, knowing that now he's settled in and that those jitters, he might not have jitters, but trying to get used to this environment of playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's out of the way. He's here. He's used to it. What does he do with it in the next 41 games? That's what I'm excited to watch. I think he's definitely one of the most intriguing players to watch going forward. He's Mm going to have the chance to really prove doubters wrong and carry this team. Maybe if he can get this power play to roll a little more if he stays on that top unit. It, it, the the way he played to get that game-tying goal against Carolina is exactly what he needs to take to the yeah. power play, by the way. Just shoot it. Get it on net. Make, force some ugly plays. Force some panic on the, on, the opposing, on the opposing defense. And maybe a nice little rebound will kick out to a wide-open oh, Brian Rust on the top power play unit again. Kick out to a wide-open Brian Rust. There's some, you know, positives that come with just firing the puck on that of all people i forget if it was ryan graves or uh chad ruido who told me this just getting pucks on net from wherever it comes from from defensemen especially it causes havoc it causes panic from the other team and Mm -hmm. that's when and this is what mike sullivan says it mistakes get made in those situations so just putting pucks on net getting rubber to the pads is at least a start and if eric carlson can start doing that we know he can shoot the puck he bombs them sometimes so Sometimes he'll find the net, even. Yeah. Good things happen when you shoot the puck. Yeah, so let's see if Eric Carlson does that. Let's see if the Pittsburgh Penguins do that more often in the back half here. Uh, Obviously, weird that it's already halfway through the season, but uh, it's been an interesting one to this point. We'll see how they perform in the back half and if they get to the playoffs, which they weren't able to do last season. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for the first half of the season. Make sure you tune in for the back half of the season because it's going to get very interesting surrounding this hockey team its players, and its fan base, because we also have one important thing coming up in just about a month. That would be the retirement of Ye Old 68 on February 18th. Uh, we're going to try to get some special episodes for that sp- particular game, for that particular you know event, but uh, should be an interesting back half of the season. Pittsburgh Penguins out of a playoff spot at the midway point. We'll see if they can get back into one in the next 41, but that's it for this one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. 